I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I do some bad hat, Andrew. It's a cool show. Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from you, love. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing The Great Season 2. Damask Leary, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. I uh, did some Christmas shopping today. It's getting fucking hot in WA. <laughs> oh my God. It's going to be 42 degrees on Christmas. Um, wow. Yeah. It's very, very hot here. <laughs> I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I shall survive. Stay inside or mm. if not inside, covered in water. In a pool or a beach, and that are your only two options, really. Yeah. Anything thankfully, else is just suicide. Yeah. Thankfully, I'm very close to a beach, so I, I was at go. the beach yesterday, and I, I, I'll be fine, guys. Don't stress. Don't stress. <laughs> How are you, Brad? I am tired. I uh, Ooh, had my last <laughs> my last day of work for the year, which feels fantastic. But mm-hmm. it's like as you get close to that finish line, your brain just starts to shut off before you're actually allowed to shut off. Uh, I'm in that just like fugue state at the moment. I actually just did a a COVID rapid antigen test. I'm like, I just feel like shit. I just maybe I have COVID. Uh, so I just did one just to check, and I'll do another one actually before I head to my parents' place for Christmas because mm-hmm. that's what you got to do when you live in Melbourne at the moment. Because that's it. COVID everywhere. Not as bad as Sydney, but pretty much everywhere. A uh, couple of things I did want to bring up before we get to our spoiler-free review as well. Uh, We are on Spotify, but most importantly on Spotify now, you can rate and review us on Spotify. (gasps) Rate it. I think, actually, I don't know if you can leave words or comments or anything, but you can give us a star rating, which is super helpful. So, even if you don't listen to us on Spotify, and some of Mm -hmm. you probably do, but if you don't listen to us on Spotify, but you have Spotify, Mm -hmm. look for Hunting Seasons, find us, do us a massive solid and give us five stars on that because if we can... You know, get our ratings up and profile up on Spotify. We might be able to find some new listeners, which would be wonderful. That'd be really Ooh. helpful. Secondly, I did want to bring up, I don't know anymore whether we're going to do a Hawkeye review. If we do, mm. I think it might just be in a what we've been watching discussion, a future off-topic hot topic. Because um, I'm, I, I think I think this might be our last review for the year. Yeah. <laughs> this is how I'm feeling. I think um, we're done. I'm, I'm not quite done with Hawkeye. I've got to watch the finale. But at this stage, I don't feel like I've got a whole lot to say about it. Other Fair than enough. I've mostly enjoyed it. And you haven't started it yet, have you? No, I haven't started it yet. So, I want to put it out there. If listeners are really, really keen for us to review Hawkeye, maybe we'll find a way to at least do a mini review or something like that. But mm-hmm. if we don't hear from yous, we're going to assume that you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, let us know. DM us, Instagram, Twitter, email us. Let us know. In the meantime, let's get to our spoiler-free review of The Great Season 2. Let me clue you in. Season in review. 
Four months after initiating a coup for the throne of Russia, Catherine is on the cusp of victory. But is she really capable of taking the crown from her husband, Peter? And even if she does, will she be the leader Russia needs? The Great returns with almost all of its season one cast, with a notable addition of TV's second busiest woman, after Haley Steinfeld, Gillian Anderson. Season two consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 55 minutes, and took us approximately nine hours and five minutes to watch. At the time of this review, there has been no word on if The Great will return for a third season. Damask, before we get to our spoiler-free review, uh, can you please remind the listeners what you thought of season one, which came out, would you believe, about two years ago, by the way? Really? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, okay. it's been a while. Oh, um, I very much enjoyed it. it. It was a nice surprise, I think. I didn't really... I'd heard about it. I'd heard that it was coming, but I didn't have high expectations. Um, mm. I did know it was by the guy who did The Favourite, and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that. I think that kind of um, made me put my eyes on it, um, just that simple fact. So I popped it on, and then I, as I was watching, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, this has The Favourite all over it, mm. which and I really enjoyed that film. I found it very, very funny. It was dark and gross and wonderful i yeah i was very impressed with season one i told everyone to watch it as quickly as i could yeah no big fan big fan you gave it a 4.5 that you were tossing up possibly giving it a five i believe Mm -hmm. i also gave it a 4.5 and it was in a similar boat um really 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 enjoyed the great we had very few negative things to say about it Mm -hmm. the only really major downside for us was it sort of dragged a little bit towards the middle maybe back just before getting into sort of the third act Mm -hmm. um but overall we were really taken with it love the writing love the comedy love the performances in particular nicholas holt was a real standout um and phoebe fox as well who was sort of new for us um yeah massive massive fan so we were looking forward to the great season two in a big big way and it was good news when it was announced it was getting a a second season we didn't really know that was going to be the case i'm not sure we knew if it was i knew it was a critical hit but i'm not sure if it was a commercial hit necessarily so Mm. very happy to see we're getting a second season now it's here and we've watched it damask could you please give us your spoiler free review of the great season two I reckon I could. Okay, so obviously, as you just heard, I loved season one and I was so happy to have the great back. Finally, now I'm hearing after almost two years, which is shocking and depressing and all that wonderful stuff. Um, Pre-COVID, pre-COVID. Was it? I believe so. I'm going to double check the dates, but I believe that's right. Yeah, (laughs) in the before times. (laughs) All right, so... What did I like this time around? So I still had plenty of chuckles. You know, I do love the grotesque world that we dive in with this show. It feels heady and sick and in the way that I think an exploration of aristocracy should. Um, And Nicholas Holt continues to give his all and make a monster a character you can sympathize with. And Al Fanning ricochets between fiery determination and wide-eyed fear and naivete. I think both those performances still really hold this show up um, and I enjoyed them very much. And I think the performances all around are excellent. Um, but I do have to talk about what I didn't like this time around. Um, so I think there's no denying really that it felt as though there was simply less to do this season in season one, we had a ramp up of when, you know, when will Catherine and Peter truly go head to head? 
The show was filled with moments of great tension between the two and, you know, I was yearning for a satisfactory climax and I got it. You know, we had a wonderful moment of fuck yeah and oh my God, what's next? You know, we had many background machinations, they were afoot and everyone in the show had their part to play. Every episode, I was wondering whether someone would get away with something. No matter what that thing was, I was like, oh my God, am I nervous? Am I happy? Like there was a lot of emotions going on that kept me wanting to watch the next episode. And unfortunately, that wasn't really the case this time around. Um, The season is quite a different beast. We do still have the dynamic between Peter and Catherine. And that for me does continue to be an intriguing one. But sadly, a lot of our other characters are left with underwhelming storylines you know we have our revolutionary bffs of velamentov and orlo and they're somewhat sidelined as you know Catherine tries to figure out who she wants to be in the new world poor old mariel is given just as little not even less um she's put in a rather uninspired and uninteresting love affair that should be complicated but for me ultimately falls flat you know i I really missed the stakes. I didn't have them this time. You know, previously Catherine was in such a dire situation. I was at the edge of my seat, um, but this year I was firmly planted. And I think a big part of that is that while I love the character of Peter, he was, while very funny and flirtatious and charismatic, was very scary last season for a lot of it. And I think we really, we lost that this year. You know, I saw certain possibilities when faced with new challenges by certain characters. Um, Archie, for example, you know, when we begin, he's in a very tenuous place. You know, how would this staunch patriarch find new faith and purpose? Where is he going to plant his feet? Um, But almost half of his time on screen was spent on a character trait that got in the way, I think, of a more interesting character study and possible relationship developments, particularly with Catherine and other people in the court. Um, Now, this season wasn't bad. That's not what I'm saying. But my expectations were so high. I expected season two to be just as tightly woven together as the first. And for me, it just, it really wasn't. Uh, I'll certainly be back for season three, but I don't think I'll be begging everyone to watch season two like I did the first. And that's my review. Interesting. Uh, First thing I want to correct it was in the before before four times. It was in the just started times of mm. May 2020. There you go. Um, so in the naive days, and we thought maybe this will just last six weeks, this COVID <laughs> thing, um, which still feels like a very innocent time compared to where we are now. But mm. to your, rev- re- your review, uh, I, I'm feeling a lot of relief because I agree with you in mm. so many ways. And I was wondering, like I wrote this review on my first lines, like maybe I'm just v- tired after a very <laughs> long two years or maybe I've been spoiled by the phenomenal Succession Season 3, which we only reviewed last week. Mm. But, for, but for some reason, I wasn't quite as charmed by the great Season 2 compared to Season 1. I think almost everything you've said is pretty much on par with what I think as well. Because uh, I don't want you to get me wrong here. Just like you said, it's still a very good show in a lot of ways very fun it's very silly it's very entertaining a lot of the time but season but two, se- sorry season 2s or second seasons are hard and the mm. pressure is on that season to prove that it wasn't just a one season wonder this show can go on um, and build to be something bigger still in a general sense i just don't think season 2 was able to beat or even quite match 
the wonderful surprise that was season one. Um, one of my only criticisms, or the only criticism that we really had of season one, was that it dragged a little bit in the middle sections of the season. In general, I just found the length of the episodes in season two to be a bit excessive. I don't know if there was a lot as much there to fill those 55-minute episodes on average. Mm. Um, There is plenty of drama, obviously. These are dramatic circumstances, violent circumstances at times. But this is ultimately a very silly show, and 10 almost... Hour-long episodes mean that silliness can start to have diminishing returns, I think. Uh, this season also lacks the natural momentum of the first, which is what you were saying. Uh, not surprising if you think about it, how can you compare planning and executing a coup to just trying to run a country? Once again, I found myself just a little bit less enraptured than I was in season one. Probably my biggest complaint this time around, though, is the general underutilization of some of my favorite characters from season one. Season two feels very, very, very focused on Elle Fanning's Catherine and Nicholas Holtz Peter. And fair enough, they are just as fantastic as they were in season one. But I couldn't help but wish more was done with Sasha Dewan's Orlo and Phoebe Fox's Mariel. Mm-hmm. Both these characters served as fantastic sounding boards for Catherine season one. So many scenes of Catherine talking to Orlo or Catherine Mariel, who was her like chambermaid mm. for most of that season. And it felt like those characters were sidelined and just not as well utilized this time around. I really, re- I know Mariel's circumstances are different in this season, mm. but I kind of wish they found an excuse to make her a chambermaid or something again because that dynamic was just so potent. Yeah. That once that reason for her being there all the time wasn't there, it's like I'm miss- missing some of my favorite stuff from the first season. Yeah, is they gone. cut the legs off a lot of their characters. Um, I think so. And I think that, like, you know, that cutting off of the legs really worked for season one. Um, but, at, you know, towards the end when all those things kind of come to a head. But mm-hmm. then we're left in season two kind of going, well, what do these people have to do now that's interesting for me? Absolutely. On a positive note, though, when Gillian Anderson enters the story as Catherine's mother Joanna, mother Joanna, the season really started to sing for me. She added a great new wrinkle to the show's character dynamics, challenging our core players in new ways. And my only complaint was that she didn't arrive in the story earlier. Mm. Uh, if you simply want more of the great, season two definitely provides that in a lot of ways, and maybe that's enough to satis- satisfy. But I can't pretend I'm not a little let down overall. Would I watch a third season of the great? Most definitely. But I, I'm not going to be waiting with bated breath quite like I was after season one. So I feel like you and I have probably ended up in very similar places mm, overall with this yeah, season. Yeah, sounds like it. Which is interesting. And I do think also sometimes you can just get a feel for what like the discussion is online. Mm. And I, I'm not hearing a lot about the great. I, I think maybe a couple of listeners have said they, they really enjoyed season two and were waiting for our review. But like everyone's talking about succession online have been all season and particularly by the time the finale was out. Um, can't escape Spider-Man and Matrix talk at the moment, stuff like that. But I, it's funny, I felt like the great sort of lit a fire at the time season one came out. I'm just not feeling that much at the yeah, moment. Yeah, I think like I have a bit of a different experience online because um, I don't see a lot of that chat, even about succession because pretty much all of my social media feeds are Real Housewives centred. So um, <laughs> sure. I'm always surprised like, when you, you know, give me the insight of like what the temperature is about a show online. Um, but yeah, that's not surprising. I think, yeah, I, I'm a little shocked at how similar our reviews yeah. are. Yeah. I have a theory as to why, uh, besides the obvious in terms of what the core 
driving narrative season one is compared to season two. That mm. that why season two maybe doesn't work as well. The Great is an adaptation of a play. And I don't think season one is just a word-for-word replication of that play. But I do wonder whether a lot of that material from the play that was adapted was used in season one. And so season two is almost completely being written from whole cloth this time. And whether Mm -hmm. that means stuff that had not just been written a long time ago, but perfected over time because it was on stage and like, you know, it would have gone through so many different versions until it ended up with the one that made it to stage. It meant that it was just a lot of there there to begin with and season two was having to make it up as it went along. And and because of that, it might have just been starting with a disadvantage as well. Just mm-hmm. a theory. I've got no way to back that up because I've never seen the play. I can't <laughs> even find a script online to check. Um, very, nobody really talks about that play. But mm. but that's a, that's a really strong foundation to have, I think, when you make yeah. a season one. And season two doesn't have that. I also think that... Um you know, I one of my favorite activities while watching season one of The Great was like something crazy would happen, then I would Google it. And while a lot of like, you know, the intricacies or like certain things w- were not true and they simply weren't true from the beginning, a lot of the crazy stuff I would Google, like, oh my God, like something like that or very similar to that actually happened. And then we get to this season and like I do my Googling, I was like, oh, it's just like, None of it is. Basically none. And so, like, like, perhaps, you know, to be as inventive as history and how fucked up that mm-hmm. period of time was, it's really hard to kind of match. Um, yeah, so I guess I had less inspiration from Catherine's life at that point. I think you're right, very much right. The stakes in season one feel a lot higher than season two. And a lot of season one is spent just showing you how high the stakes are for Catherine, mm-hmm. right? Um. I also think, and I've said this before, sometimes when when there's a lot of violence, a lot of violence, it starts to just stop, eventually stops having an effect or it stops being effective because you get used to it. Mm-hmm. And I wonder whether that's partly what's happening here as well. The shock of how gross and violent and brutal this world is in season one stops being a shock by the time season two is around. So it's just not as titillating anymore and Mm. therefore not as exciting and, yeah, like just fun to be in. Just a thought. Yeah. We do also see um, Catherine break down in a very similar way several times in this season and I think every time they do it, it's less effective. And Elle Fanning's great at, like, doing the open mouth cry and, like, wail. Like, she is fantastic at it. But it makes that character, yeah, she goes from high highs and then like the lowest of lows. And I'm really kind of missing that messy stuff in the middle. I also wonder about things like how much COVID has affected things, which is worth Mm. considering because a criticism I had of season one was that the only other criticism I can remember having is that, and again, maybe it was thematically the kind of the point, but the Winter Palace does start to feel a bit samey. Mm-hmm. when you're not going anywhere and you're just spending time either inside the meeting room or inside the breakfast room or inside Peter's room or inside uh, Catherine's room and, and inside the hall that connects all that. And it just becomes... not that It's not visually distinct. I mm-hmm. guess it's not meant to be. Um, but it stops being visually appealing and it's a lot of that again. And even the times where they maybe try to have more grandiose shots, I think because of COVID... 
are all green screened mm. and look awful. <laughs> yeah, and they like do. it doesn't matter that much those particular shots, but you start to wonder like what effect has COVID had on mm. the ability for this show to be the best version of itself? I guess right now, how would you score and rank this season of The Great? Yeah, well, I think it's it's no surprise to anyone listening that it's obviously not going to be number one this season. <laughs> um, season one still has has that place firmly. Uh, if it's still a good show, though, um, so I, I'm going to give it like a solid 3.5. Yeah, I'm thinking a 3.5 as well. A, hi- a high 3.5, yeah. tempted to a low 4, but I think 3.5 is the right place for it. Um, there are seasons of BoJack Horseman that are 3.5s that I... You know, I love that show overall. I just think this is definitely a step down. Um, It's not quite excellent enough to be a straight-up excellent four, I don't think. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, guys, before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify now. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way. And to sweeten the deal, if we were to reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. Ooh. We would also love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family who you think might also enjoy listening. Next week, or sometime in the nearish future, maybe is a better way of putting this, uh, we'll be back with a special end-of-year off-topic, hot-topic bonus episode. Might be before the end of the year. It might be early January. If you would like to contribute a question, topic or story to Off Topic, Hot Topic, or if you have any thoughts on the great or on the year of TV as it was, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for The Great Season 2. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning, from here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one and two of The Great. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The Great up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Is there any particular storyline or part of the show you would like to start talking about first? Damask, the ball is in your court. It's all on you. Go. Oh, golly. Oh, golly. Okay. So, (laughs) I will say that one thing that I really enjoyed um, Mm. is the 
involvement of the character Elizabeth. So Peter's dear aunt, I always really enjoy when that character is on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they maintain her complexity mm-hmm. um, as well as her reasons behind doing certain things. Yeah, I, I thought that was really well done done throughout the season because I've got I've got complaints about other characters, but I just really wanted to start off on that one. I agree with you. Uh, she was one of the better used characters. They mm-hmm. kept well. What the thing was, Elizabeth has direct connections and influence on Peter mm-hmm. and on Catherine. And so since it was a season that was so focused on that relationship between those two people, Elizabeth is the obvious character who gets to benefit from the screen time from that. And they do great things with that. It's interesting too to remember at the end of season one, they sort of set up this idea that Archie was suggesting that maybe she should, could be an alternative to Catherine. Mm. And I guess in the four months that the coup took place in, that kind of just fell away and didn't really happen. Um, I was expecting maybe we we're going to come back to a sense that... Because I was wondering, I was kept thinking, it's like, oh, she's pla- I know she's kind of playing the situation to her advantage and protecting Peter and stuff, but are we going to find out that she is making a play for the throne here? And I don't think she was. No. She Realistically, she's sort of just... Wants to look after Peter because she loves Peter and she believes in the ideals of Catherine, um, but also Catherine's a dum-dum and uh, doesn't know what she's doing. And so she's trying to help her as best she can uh, in her own Elizabeth way. And yeah, I really like that character uh, a lot. I think it's a great performance. She's really well written. She's complex um, and has a really interesting sort of backstory and emotional through line in terms of like... Uh, yeah, her connection to Peter, her connection to Peter's mum, her connection to her mm. own kids, mm. um, and the situation that happened there. She is a fantastic character, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, she was certainly a, a highlight for me um, and created, yeah, I, I felt a feeling of genuine like connection there, just like mm-hmm. me as a viewer, that I didn't have the opportunity to feel. And I think, you know, when we're talking about Mariel and the storyline there with um her and Grigor. I just like I personally couldn't have cared less. I don't <laughs> think like. Well, I mean, what was your take on it? Because every time it was happening, I was like, I get that we need Mariel to be doing something because she, she has less impact in Catherine's life now. Um, but I don't think that's that should have been the case. Um, yeah, to just shove her with Grigor. Great conceptually in terms of like these are the two best friends. They have ulterior motives and a whole lot of stuff could have been happening behind the scenes. But nothing really was all that much. Yeah. I think that's true of like how I feel about all those storyline a lot of ways as well. We'll come mm. back to him in a second. The So it's interesting. It feels it feels like pre-COVID since we watched The Great. Not quite true, apparently, but I was listening back to our review to try and just get like a bit of a remembering of what happened that season and what was exciting us about it because I definitely knew I was hotter on season one than season two. And one of the things we absolutely raved about was we loved the complex trio of the relationship of Grigor, George, and Peter. Mm-hmm. And so quickly in this season, George is just disappears off to France. Grigor remains so they can do this thing with Mariel and Grigor. And it just does not compare to what was a very, very interesting dynamic of friends and lovers of those three. 
Um, and one of the things you said in that review, because at the end of that season, Grigor finally gets up the courage to say, I do- wish you didn't fuck George, basically. And Peter goes, oh, so you do care. I guess I won't then, or maybe twice a year, which is like, ha, 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 that's the joke that's Peter of it all. And they even mentioned that in like episode one or two that they had that conversation. Um, but you were like, I'm fascinated to see what that looks like next season. Mm. If Peter like does stand by, and that just isn't a thing. This season, no. it just doesn't, it's not an element that the show cares about at all. And I think that's a little bit sad. Mm. Maybe they just felt they were done with that, but that was truly compelling. And I don't think what replaced it, George leaving, Grigor and Mariel together, and then sort of wishing that Peter would want to take the throne back, but Peter sort of not really actually wanting to, wasn't actually a compelling storyline or element no. of, it wasn't fun or complex or exciting in any way that really interested me. Um, honestly, Mariel becoming a noble again or aristocrat again was possibly the worst thing for that character. Mm. I know they did the thing about how she has empathy for Shaky and the other serfs, serfs now, but but I didn't really play into the overall story or the complexities no. of the situation all that much. It was just sort of like, I guess Mario cares about people a bit more than she used to. Yeah. Those things and like, on we go. I feel like things were happening, sure, but like yeah. it really lacked in through lines. Like yes. I thought that moment of Mario being like, I wish I hadn't seen the other side because now mm-hmm. I do feel things that it's much easier not to feel. That's really compelling. That's really interesting. And she was going to continue to move through life feeling those things. Mm -hmm. But we get one episode of that. And her character in mostly every other way has not changed at all by that situation. She's just gone from handmaiden Mariel into aristocratic Mariel. And it's the same person, but with less interaction with Catherine now. Less interaction, with Kath- less interaction with Catherine. I genuinely just think just not as well written. I th- yeah. I can't. I couldn't get over. I remember it, and then listening back to our review, I fucking fell in love with Phoebe Fox because of that mm. performance. But also, Mario was just so written, well written, and that repartee. If, he's, if that's the right expression, of mm-hmm. Catherine and Mario, like Catherine the optimist and Mario the like pessimist realist. You know who comes in and tells her to get a bucket before she slashes her wrist. You know, all those sorts of biting, sarcastic, witty lines is just, I don't know, maybe, that's why I said I worried that maybe I was just, I'm tired and over this year and wasn't, it wasn't connecting with it because of something that was happening with me. So it gives me a lot of relief that you felt the same way. I just, Mm. for some reason, it wasn't there this season in Mariel. And then, if you don't mind me moving over to Orlo for a second, I feel like Orlo's in a very similar place where... He 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 and Catherine did challenge each other already and obviously there was challenges here because Catherine doesn't want to fucking listen to him. Mm. But when he's not in the room with her, he's fucking the teacher and that was some revelation, but I was like it really wasn't like it wasn't no. all that compelling. It it felt well, it wasn't anything. Un- it, it's so undercooked as to be almost irrelevant. To the story, it's a hundred percent irrelevant. I, I, I what I wish kind of happened. I know Archie. They did some things with Archie this season to a degree. There was such a fantastic tension between Orlo and Archie in season one. Mm. I kind of would have liked to have seen a situation where maybe they even had to work together because they both realized that Catherine 
has potential to be doing stuff here, but she was fucking it up. Like more between, um, oh, what's the, what's the name of the general? I've forgotten the Velamentov, Velamentov, and uh, Orlo and Archie. I think mm. realistically, Archie can be a part of that too, mm-hmm. and have them have to like, even as much as they hate each other, especially Orlo and Archie. Have them have to, like, make the Catherine thing work if they can. Or look at alternatives. Look to Elizabeth. Look and go, maybe we need to cut our losses here. We had the coup, but maybe Catherine's not the one and we do need to look to Elizabeth. Or something like that. Because it just most of the time seemed like people just kept putting up with her, her well, shit. Well, that, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say was that, like, yeah, you know, we have Orlo who's, like, desperately trying to, like, do things the way that he believes that they can be done. Mm-hmm. But it was the same scene over and over again yep. where Orlo yep. gives yep. her advice and she just, like, shrugs him off. Yep. Um, and then he's, like, annoyed about it and so just, like, becomes disillusioned. But, like, That's it the was problem, the right? same scene. It, it didn't ever, like, feel like it was building towards mm-hmm. a change in Orlo or yep. a change in that relationship. He'd have a sulk about it. And then, as you said, the same scene would happen over and over and mm. over again every time that we came across that situation. Yeah, it would and have meant so much more in that, obviously, when Catherine finds out that he's stolen money to give to his uncle. And if that scene had been actually about her finding out that Orlo, Archie and Velimentov had been not necessarily conspiring against her, but conspiring in parallel to get things done in a different way because they didn't believe the way that she was going about things. Beautiful that would be way more interesting than just like, oh, yeah, I gave my where I'm from a bunch of money. I hated that scene. I thought it was so poorly executed mm. because, yes, we had those two or three scenes where this guy that Archie, that Orlo knows comes in and makes him do something and he gets some money and then we find out from two characters that I don't remember with the were the like tr- like the guys in charge of the money? Mm, they yeah. were. I don't remember their scenes. If they were there, they weren't memorable. And like, oh yeah, he there's there's been a discrepancy in the books. It was Orlo. I'm furious with you now, Orlo. Oh, don't be furious with Orlo. He just you know he was doing the best he could. I, 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 it was so undercooked. Yeah. It it just the scale the 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 narrative balance is so weighted on the Catherine. Mm-hmm. and Peter love, quote-unquote, love story that everything else felt not just secondary but tertiary, mm-hmm. with Elizabeth being maybe the only character who felt like they were, that she was competing at all for that mm. um, real estate in, in the narrative, I thought. Yeah, well, I mean, because, yeah, there is so much there there in terms of Orlo is from a part of Russia that has been mm-hmm. forgotten and never gets any kind of benefit of really being a part of Russia. And then we also have Mariel who's experienced the other side of yep. aristocracy, all those things coming together. And Catherine perhaps needing to isolate herself from those people because they don't actually have to make the decisions. They can be, you know, bleeding hearts and all this thing, but the complexity around that is really interesting and something mm-hmm. she's going to have to personally battle with. We don't really get a in-depth discussion or look at any of that kind of stuff. Nope. It's, yeah, it's it's frustrating because I see so much potential. And I really saw that particularly with Archie's character. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, it just if we're just looking at the outline, someone who 
I love, you know, I quite enjoyed it at the beginning. He's like, I am the patriarch. And if you get rid of the church, you're fucked. Like yeah. you could be he in played so it much really danger. Well early in the season. Yeah. Too. He played his hand beautifully. The best bit being when I think it's episode three where Catherine starts to sort of see some of the nobles come through. Mm. And there's this one fucking pig of a guy who's like urinating on the floor and stuff. Mm. And no one can control this guy. And certainly Catherine can't. And then Archie comes in and goes, fucking repent heathen and he pays attention and it's like mm-hmm. Archie plays his hand beautifully then he just proved his value at a time when Catherine was willing to get rid of him and that was kind of it it's such <laughs> then a shame he had a and like of faith yeah yeah cuz you know we have moments with Archie and Catherine Catherine's very much like no fuck off not interested um but obviously yeah he shows his his value to her in trying to rule p- these people um if they because Archie is such a devout person, watch that relationship grow to that his faith while always being centered on God, then mm-hmm. kind of transfers to her as God's chosen one. That could have been a really sure. interesting development. Um, we don't get any of that. Instead, we have Archie's sex addiction, which is such a waste of a character. In every scene, he's like doing this sex addiction thing. I was like, mm. I mean... Loss of faith is great and all that, but it just felt like a joke and with not a not a whole lot of insight behind it. Yeah, I don't feel like they got to they know they didn't get anywhere with it. At least not mm-hmm. this season. And that was something I wondered. I was like, are they guaranteed a season three? They already know they're getting one. Are they planning ahead for a third season where some of this stuff starts to pay off a bit better? Mm. Um because I did feel like, yeah, the Archie storyline, the Orlo storyline. Even the uh, uh, the Mariel storyline with Grigor, and then the I forgot his name again already. The Velamentov. Velamentov, and it's a great name. I need to write it down. I used to know. I swear, the Velamentov storyline kind of kind, uh, that worked a bit better for me generally, in the sense that his revelations about um, sort of being a father figure to Peter that Peter doesn't remember, I actually kind of liked. Mm-hmm, me too. In, in for at least in the episodes where it was focused on, and then the constant frustration that like he senses that this war is here and needs to be done with, and eventually she's like, "All right, fine, you're let's do it," and then he can't actually <laughs> he he overestimated his abilities. Of course, he did. Mm-hmm. There was something there, and then her having to to deal with the leader of the Ottoman, the Ottomans, yeah. and the and that moment was pretty great. Because he, yeah. he he went from being a non-believer to a really true believer in Catherine at the end of season one. Then was we watched? I thought we watching his faith waver throughout the season was pretty realistic. Mm. It was it was a really good through line from. Uh, I still believe in you. I still believe in you. Just listen to me, please. Okay, I think I actually have lost faith in you as a leader <laughs> by the end of the season. Uh, that worked. Yeah, that felt. Yeah, I, I would have loved even like, you know, we get to this point of going to war and Catherine mm-hmm. having faith in him and being like, yeah, mm. I, and how much that would have meant to him. And then mm-hmm. to actually see him not be able to make the gains that he believes that he would and see his, from his perspective, him kind of faltering and like not knowing how to tell his like beloved kind of royal queen that he's failing her and then for her to discover that and how devastating that conversation would have been where she's like i don't actually think you can do this Mm -hmm. and i think i made a mistake in like 
telling you you could go to war. Yeah, it would have been just filled with way more interesting character moments. But we don't get enough time with Velimentov to see his side of it, what that devastation would have felt like to realize it. He really wants it, but he, he just doesn't have the ability to do it. And that's the frustra- frustrating irony of the season is that it feels like a lot of wasted potential, great characters who weren't given enough to do or storylines that weren't developed far enough. And yet the season felt long. Like it, it felt did, long. Yeah, it did. Uh, 10 almost hour long episodes. I just don't think there was it weirdly what they put on the screen wasn't enough to fill that 10 hours in a compelling way. Um, it's almost like they were on a mission. It's like, we have to get the viewers to a point where they truly believe that Catherine and Peter love each other and actually should maybe be together. At least in theory, this maybe is a dynamic that is worth, that is worth happening. Um, and they dedicated 90% of their energy towards them. <laughs> and then like, oh, shit, we've got to do something with the other characters as well. Mm. Uh, let's put Mar- Ma- uh, Marion and Grigor together and mm, what else? Yeah, I think I, in season one, the Peter and Catherine um, dynamic was so amazing to watch. And it was it was scary, but, mm-hmm. you know, you could understand the charm and the allure. and But there, there was a real sense of danger. Mm-hmm. We don't have that anymore. Um and now we really want, oh, I say we, I'm doing like from the perspectives of the writer, you know, we really want the audience to be invested in the romantic side of this relationship in a genuine way, not in a way where it's like, oh, this is scary so I can see the allure or, oh, you know, they're, they're playing one another, but a real genuine way we want investment in this romantic partnership. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for a while I wanted – I was like, okay, sure, this is where we're going. I think the show is poorer for it. I really do. I think turning Peter all the way to the other side, and yes, obviously he's fallible and makes mistakes, but making him entirely a helpless child, I really think I I would rather a complicated sociopath than this helpless little boy who needs a mommy to teach him right and wrong. Yeah, there was something you said in your spoiler-free review about how he didn't feel dangerous anymore, mm. which I think is 100% spot on. And again, listening back to our season one review, um, that that danger, he is a monster. And mm-hmm. there are lots of compelling reasons for why he's a monster. And it's it's less that he's a sociopath and more maybe that he's sort of just ignorant. It's just what he's brought, been brought up into. He's mm. been told he's all-powerful. He's mm-hmm. been ordained by God. And that what he does is because he's ordained by God is absolutely acceptable. He's just never grown out of being a guy that's a, 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 a child that's allowed to play with his toys in whatever way they want or smash them up if he wants to. And that's what he does. Um, and yeah, it's... Is it poorer for it, putting them together? Maybe. Um, in the way that they have, I think. Yeah, I think you. I think you're right. It's in a, in a lot of ways. I, I'm I'm on board with the show doing what it's doing with Catherine and Peter because it is very complex. But it, it almost mm. feels like they had to, like they felt like they had to convince us multiple times over that this was okay. <laughs> that this yeah. is like like no, you're allowed to like Peter now. 
You're allowed to like Peter, even though he almost fucking drowned her in season one and burned down a school with children in it, I'm pretty sure, in season one mm. and like all these sorts of things. He's he's changed now. I mean, that's the whole thing with Elizabeth, isn't it? What's the line that she says in the last episode? Um, I've got it down here in my side notes. Excuse me for two seconds. Um, it That is where the human being lives, at the how and why, not the should. So like the whole... The whole thing was like, we are going to rehabilitate Peter enough that you can sort of invest in them being together romantically. Mm. And and if when we say they love each other, they actually love each other and you shouldn't vomit in your mouth immediately when that happens. And like, I guess they get there. I, 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 I'm fine I with think, where they're I at the season. They, they do. Season. Yeah. I just... Was it I worth wish it? There was still, yeah, I wish there was still an element of, because, um, okay, so when we're talking about our finale, right, so we're at this point where it's, it's Peter v. Catherine and what's going to happen. And at no point did I believe that Peter would ever harm her or, because what, you know, what they've told us every episode this season is that Peter is changing. He's determined to change. Um, he genuinely loves her mm-hmm. um, and he will sacrifice things that he never would have previously because he does love her. So, like, even at, in that last episode, there was no tension. And obviously, we had the doppelganger mentioned every episode. So, I was like, every well, she's going to go kill him. Yeah, when you and then obviously it's got to be the doppelganger the and then Peter <laughs> will be alive. You know what? Like I, I was missing that tension. And I think yeah. like even though you can – I think you can get me to be like, yeah, I totally get why these two people are together while still making me really fear that at any point Peter could flip and maybe that's part of the seduction. I don't know. But yeah, that it was missing a little, a little spice or something. I don't well, know. Well, the thing that's kind of weird is we'd already been there once that mm. season where – he got into a fucking room and he was going to kill her and mm-hmm. she was crying, so he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and like, well, you already, you already told us he wasn't going to do this. You've mm-hmm. already convinced. And you know what's not going to make it any easier? Now they've got fucking Paul. Like, mm. it really, it, I, I just wasn't convinced that was going to happen at all. And I also didn't get a sense that it was like, is this a two season show? Are they really going to? And also, I know the show is not like, super close to history. It's gotten further and further away from it. I just don't see the show ending with Peter reclaiming the throw from Catherine because she's fucking yeah. Catherine the Great and she had a very long reign. Like, yeah. that's that's the historical figure we're, we're doing this from. Of course she's going to remain... She's not going to mm. be killed at the end of season two. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't know. There's, it, yeah. Yeah. It just... Yeah, they overcompensated, I think. Mm. They didn't trust that we were going to follow along with getting yeah. these two together and they had to put so much effort mm. into getting us there that it, it was at the, at the mm. expense of the show overall. And maybe I'd find that relationship a nice kind of piece of comfort if then the other sides of the show with like would have all this political intrigue and danger yeah. on that side. If it was balanced mm. in that way, I think I'd be like less critical of how they approach that Catherine and Peter relationship. But because we don't really have danger from any side, I was like, oh, okay. I kind of wish this is where I'm frustrated because I wish I had more to say about any of it. I don't think it's all that complex. Ultimately, it's like yeah. Catherine. Catherine was still well, she came into through season one naive, 
mm-hmm. an absolute idealist without any of the skills. That's what Orlo was there for. Mm-hmm. She gets into power. She wants to change the world immediately. Everyone tells her she can't. She keeps trying. She can't. She gets frustrated. So she goes and gets kind of lingers from Peter <laughs> because she's got control there because she knows she's got control there. And then that she realizes she actually kind of loves him and doesn't want him to die and cool. Okay. Yeah. That's a season worth of story. Mm. I don't know. We've been doing the Buffy loves Angel who's a fucking vampire thing for <laughs> 20 plus years now. We can we cannot be okay with our hero heroines having, and the spike of it all even in Buffy and stuff mm. like that. We can, our heroines can have complex relationships with complex and frankly monstrous men. Mm-hmm. And it oh, like that scene where Buffy breaks down to Tara. She feels like she's the only one she can tell about Spike. Great scene. Love it. Because I saw Buffy feel all the complexities of like, this is disgusting and I feel gross about this. But this is this is what's happening in my life. Oh, yeah. We don't get that here. No, no. Yeah. It's for all the flowery language and really well-written dialogue and like, I'm surprised there wasn't. It, ju- it just does feel a lot shallower somehow than the first mm. season was. I mean, I me. think it's a good indication that majority of this, you know, spoiler zone talk has just been me kind of writing my own fan fiction. Like, I'm not actually talking about, like, a scene that happens in the show. I'm like, oh, I wish they'd done this or I saw potential here. And I took very few notes. I don't very, have any notes. notes. I'm talking out my ass. I have no notes. <laughs> But, like, my, my notes, my questions for this section were, do we believe in the Peter and Catherine love story? I'm like, yeah, they put a lot of work into that. And it got me to a point where I believe there is something going, there is some connection there. Whether yeah. it's love or not, it's interesting. Yeah, question, I, I, I do believe in it. I'm, I wasn't rolling my eyes being like, this is bullshit. So, I do believe in it. But I need more than just that relationship in this show. Well, okay. What about the Gillian Anderson stuff? Her coming in as Catherine's mother. Mm-hmm. I lo- really liked the I, I liked her performance first and foremost, but I liked Catherine did seem to have a different like she would revert to this daughtery mm-hmm. role and it felt different. She this yeah. need to impress her, this doubt that came from her because of the way that Joanna would just continuously tell her about her faults and the way she was fucking things up. Um how do you feel about like the Joanna constantly trying to have sex with Peter bit, and then that ended up with her him having sex with her, even though he tried his best not to, and then her dying by falling out a window? I know I it's a not silly like show, that. but I yeah, thought that was a that little was bit too, like that was a step too far, it, it, and, and it just removes any of like the as a viewer the hatred or ugh-ness I would feel, or the level of that I would feel towards Peter for doing that. So we have Joanna just like sexually harassing him he's not in a good place and finally he relents um so he's not really to blame there and in fact you know as an audience almost commendable for holding off for so long and then he fucks her and he doesn't actually kill her she just happens to fall out a window which is the complication so that's also elizabeth happens to be walking by at the time which helps to like it's starting to get very convenient it's yeah it stops being because of character choices and just circumstance, this now yeah, this now new yeah, complication yeah, yeah. isn't based on because well of who Peter is. It's just well, this happened to happen, and mm-hmm. he, you know, is a a poor little boy who can't like control himself sometimes, but has been trying really, really hard. It's not really his fault. Yeah, it's just yeah. I thought it was really cheap. 
cheap is a good word for it. Convenient is a good word for it. Circumstance, mm. that's what it was, right? It yeah. was like this other force came in, mm-hmm. made this thing happen. Yeah. Um, it was like a natural disaster. Like, there's no one to blame. You can understand yeah. the complicated emotions around it, but there's no one to be like, fuck you, Peter. Like, how dare you? Yeah. Because the show, because if the show did it, make it that somehow, like, let's imagine for a second that Peter had sex with Joanna. They mm-hmm. finished having sex. He realized that this got out. He was fucked. Yeah. Killed her to make sure that didn't happen and then had to cover it up with Elizabeth. They, Way more interesting. Or, or she gets out, Elizabeth kills Joanna and then, you know, convinces mm. Peter they need to hide her or whatever. And because if they didn't, this they were all fucked. Yeah. <laughs> right? And like, all of a sudden, there's character motivation here. Mm-hmm. And Joanna can still be, like, seen as the as being the, the real force here that forced this on Peter. Um, but also, she did it because she was, I think, doing it deliberately to cause Catherine to kill him and... Mm. And sever this tie that she had to this guy. She ne- she constantly told Catherine she needed to kill Peter and all her friends, and this is how she was going to make it happen. And Joanna was, you know, a bad person, <laughs> and it was would have been her own fault, in a sense. Yeah, if- I'm of two minds about her motivation. Not in terms of like she was doing it delivery for a, another purpose, but yeah, it was either yeah, so Catherine would kill her. Or to get him on side because she doesn't really know this guy, but to be like, oh, no, if she... you do usurp, sure, is that the right word? Coup yeah, yeah, Catherine, yeah. <laughs> then um, look, we can st- all still be friends and fuck each other. Yeah, no, I I think it's pretty clear that mm. she, like Elizabeth said, because Elizabeth kept telling. Peter, you cannot have sex with her. If you have sex with Joanna, Catherine will kill all of us. (laughs) Catherine kept saying, sorry, Joanna kept saying to Catherine, Catherine, you need to kill Peter Peter and your friends. That was her motivation. Maybe she just was attracted to Peter on some level or whatever as well. But I think that was her main goal. I don't think she she ever like was like, oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah, to Peter. That's not what I'm saying. She was far too calculating for that. And so she came in with a goal in mind, would have thought she'd achieved that goal, and then, because they had to save their own skin, would have done something drastic, very much in Peter and Elizabeth's playbook to do that. We've seen Elizabeth kill fucking children Mm. um, Mm -hmm. before for this sort of thing. And that would have been complex, but you also kind of understand why they had to save their bacon. And, like... Much more compelling than she fell out of a fucking window. Elizabeth had to be coming, happened to be going past the time and they buried her in that hole they've been digging all episode. Like, really convenient circumstance that didn't have the dramatic weight that actually making mm. the choice would have had. Yeah. And that's a shame. And, like, maybe, are we being too harsh? It is a bit of a cartoon, this show. Like, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be this harsh if I didn't absolutely fucking love season one and know that they yeah. can create this cartoonish world with like that resonated with me emotionally and made me yeah. really kind of feel a lot for the characters within it. Yeah. Speaking of things that I like the Leo situation that starts this season that sends mm. Catherine smiling, I thought was really well handled because mm-hmm. it had to it had to you had to feel that. Even yeah. four months later, there had to be consequences to Leo's death. And I thought they handled that really well. Early oh, okay. parts of the season I was pretty in actually with this show. It just Kind of felt they've got to the middle and like yeah. right when it could have gotten interesting because we look at them like the realities of her leading was surprisingly stale. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like as a beginning, I was really excited. And yeah, as you said, as we got to the, the middle of the season, I was kind of thinking, hmm, I'm not sure they know where they want to go. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And that's always a question too with season two. It's like season one, you never feel like they're guaranteed they're going to get a season two. Yeah. So, they, so like, you make a whole story. Mm. You make a, a story that if you if you just get one season... It's you might not you might say I wish there was more because there was so much more to tell, but you feel like there was a certain satisfaction to where you got to, mm-hmm. and then you make a season two and suddenly you're like, well, we might get more seasons. Let's make sure we keep this going for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And so, are you starting to play the long game? And maybe that was not the strength of this show. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, could you have? Do we have to start at? four months after if if you're yeah. unsure of like the story to tell directly then in that awkward stage i don't know let's jump 10 years what's what's Catherine doing then like yeah mm. i'm not even unconvinced that four months couldn't have been its own excellent season i agree i would have loved to watch the two sides exist in that palace yeah and the po- politicking going on on either side plus the kind of yeah i, th- I think it could have been really interesting i agree play, with you i play, that thought play as well. the coup inside the winter palace over four months yeah you know the the tactics they use to finally mm-hmm. to try and win over yeah. each other and using all the different like and- parts of the palace that we haven't seen before we could see like every time they walk up that green screen grand staircase i just want to know what's on the left and the right of like i want to know what the fucking palace looks like i'm so desperate to get a tour i do think some of that is is can be seen a little bit easier in season one i get the feeling they just couldn't get that location because of covid so i just had to make do with what they had which is fine i have no problems with that um i'm looking for something else to talk about I don't have anything else to talk about. Is there any other part of the story that you found particularly compelling? Or at least was there any part of the Catherine and Peter stuff since it did take up so much time? What about like, okay, let's talk about Elizabeth again since we were compelled by her. What about when she found out that uh, Peter's mum had been the one that killed her kid and she stole Peter, sorry, stole stole Paul Mm. and went back to her and like they had to... Unfortunately, I felt that ended up just being about getting... Peter and Catherine on the road so they could finally have their fucking romance, I guess. Well, that's it's another example of I really like um, the idea of it. Like, and looking back once again to season one, being like, well, back in the day, I remember if Elizabeth I felt like she'd had a mental crack and was alone with Paul, she might actually do something. At no yeah. point did I think they were going to make Elizabeth do something so crazy that would make me not like her anymore. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't fearful for Paul's safety. I felt bad for her character. Um, and I think like it's it's nice to have Elizabeth and Peter bond and grow closer. But yeah, it's one of those things where like it's just something that happens and then it's forgotten. We move on. Um yeah, so I I like it in theory. It was fine in execution, but I'm not going to think on that moment probably ever again. Are, are there any moments, scenes, storylines, episodic ones, smaller ones, bigger ones that did stand out? I kind of like the idea of the crocodile roaming the palace. I like that Archie <laughs> let it out. I like the bit where they're talking about it being an omen and then when it opens its eyes, all of the Fate nobles off. just start fucking I mean, stabbing it. Like, that was that's a the solid omen. joke. That, that was, was great. a really great joke. I, I will absolutely stand by that. Um, 
Well, like I said, I really enjoyed Mariel's um, kind of coming to terms with what it means to be a surf. Um, I thought it was really upsetting and I did feel the danger when the surfs kind of took over and were like, fuck mm-hmm. you guys. I was like, oh, okay, fuck. What's going to happen now? Um, I'm like, I don't, I don't think there was like a giant revolution that I – maybe there was in Russian history. I don't remember. Maybe – Catherine comes out fine, but like, how long does this go for? Um, what are the larger ramifications of this this thing that's about to happen? Ultimately, we find out she puts she squashes it, and that's it. Um, but there were moments in that episode I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, I'm trying to think. So he, the, it, even this question, though, because I think there are lots of like little moments and little lines mm. and stuff like that, but they make for side notes. I'm I'm genuinely surprised there isn't more meat here mm. to talk about. The biggest question faced this season is not whether Catherine can lead. That is our question. It's mm-hmm. can Peter change? Yeah. And does he really love Catherine? And does Catherine actually love Peter? I guess by the end of the season, we've got an answer, but I don't know whether that was 10 hours of television. And I don't think that was the most exciting story to tell in terms of like, what could be happening here? Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. I, I, I feel like we've tried really hard to have something media to talk about. I just... <laughs> we, I we've done I our did. best. We've done our best, I think. Maybe we failed. This is the, this is the fail episode. We failed you, <laughs> listeners. I'm sorry. What a way to end the year. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Such a high note. Mm. Um, we should have ended last, last week with succession. Um, do you have any side notes to mask? I don't know. Yeah, I got I got quite a few side notes, but again, this is surprises me that this is what mm. I came away with. It wasn't like, oh, isn't this interesting? And this blah blah blah. It's just like I love. I really enjoyed the joke about how people invent things and then their surnames end up being the names of those things. You yeah. know, Molotov man when he has made the Molotovs <laughs> yeah. or the cocktails, or her name is Katya Velcra and she invented <laughs> Velcro. <laughs> I did enjoy that. I gotta say. Uh, Will you really be consecrated with the blood of the patriarch on your hands? I'll wash, says Catherine. Very dry. Love it. The Bible has damaged many heads in a myriad of ways, says Catherine. Catherine punching herself. And then uh, Marion says to her, what are you doing? Reminding myself not to cry. Pin a note to your dress. Fuck. Um, <laughs> I often think best during cunnilingus, hence the word cunning in the term. Or something along those lines is the line. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed... The Orlo and um, the teacher, Katia Velcra, when they're having that little like just talk at a cocktail party or something like that and they're talking about Kant and then De- Descartes and then Decant, like that little like wordplay. Mm, I do remember which that, yeah. Orlo loved and I was like, <laughs> I understand. I get it. His, that was- his eyes lit up, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I get that. I, that was delicious. I enjoyed that as well. Um when they want to kill you, that's a red flag, says Tatiana. Yes. Uh, and then we already said the Elizabeth line. Little details are like, oh, Jason Isaacs, for one scene, he plays Peter's father, Peter the Great. Oh, um, yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Which was great casting. You'll, you, you'll love any time you see a Jason Isaacs in, on a television show this or movie. True. Very hookish. I just kept thinking I of his portrayal. That as well. <laughs> I had that That's the thing. I didn't think Peter the Great would be like, such a fancy man. I don't know. <laughs> like, I imagine he was quite barbaric, but yeah, no, it was nice to see him. Absolutely. Um, 
the song that ends the show that we cut to credits was with, I don't even know who it's from. I should look this up. With I'm sticking with you. I'm mm. sticking with you. The last time I heard that song was in Juno, which oh, is a trillion wow. years ago. Take me back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and finally, my other musing is Jape is a word we should use more often. I agree. Alongside huzzah, you know, should just be mm. a more common I said huzzah word. today, actually, as I was putting up Christmas lights. You should bring it back. Let's bring back huzzah mm. and Jape. Least favorite and favorite episodes. What was your least favorite episode, The Mask? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, I, I know you liked the alligator or crocodile thing. I didn't really like it very much. That's it wasn't my favorite episode. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's hard because I think there's lots of moments in this show that I'm like, oh, I like that. And lots of moments where I'm like, I'm just not connecting with this, or I really sure. don't like it. Mm-hmm. So it's really, I mean, I don't necessarily have an episode where I'm like, fuck this. Um, it's weird. I might like I'm tossing up between the alligator or crocodile one, and the one where Catherine's mum comes when she which, when Joanna arrives. Yeah. I don't know. It. I think that Joanna trying to seduce Peter, yeah. the the lack of decision making. Although I did really love the new Catherine dynamic. Yes, yeah, so yeah, I'm going to go I, with the crocodile one. Yeah, yeah, yeah crocodile. I, one. I think as frustrating as some of the plot, the mm. way that plot resolves, I I really enjoy. I was actually impressed that they found another way of, like Catherine. I think it's a great performance from Elle Fanning. But it's mm. very consistent, Catherine, I think. And to yes. see her be a, feel a little more vulnerable or just her charm does not work on Joanna whatsoever. And yeah. you can sense Catherine's second-guessing mm. herself in a way she hasn't ever, as yeah. far as I can remember. I also um, love the conversation between, uh, I think it's Joanna and Elizabeth, or it's with Joanna yep. and some one of her advisors, and being like, as long as you are telling my daughter that she should take over, that she should rule, you are putting her in danger and mm-hmm. I will fucking destroy you. And I was like, that's really valid, actually. That's quite yep. fair. Uh, so, the crocodile episode. Fair yep. enough. My least favorite was episode nine, Walnut Season. Mm. The I found I, I, a lot of stuff I was struggling with came to a head. The Orlo stuff about when they found out that he'd been, you know, funneling money to his thing. Just, yeah. I could not believe how underwhelming that revelation was, That how that played out, how that was executed. Mm-hmm. And not only then, I think the build-up to it was not well executed anyway. And so when it got to that, it just felt so cheap or so mm-hmm. unearned to get to the point. I, just nothing about that scene worked for me. The Elizabeth stuff, Elizabeth stealing Paul worked for me in theory, but I don't know, for some reason it didn't quite rub in the moment. I think mm-hmm. also, you know how the Swedish royalty showed up out of nowhere? Yeah. That felt really weird. That they just sort of just start commenting on what's happening, but they're not really pushing any sort of No, it seems like a setup, setup for the next season. season. Three. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I just thought it was really messy and maybe it was the best example of what this season was doing poorly, mm. if that made mm-hmm. sense. So I'm going to go with episode nine, Walnut Season. What was your favourite episode, Damask? Um, 
I, I think I'm going to go with uh, a single jape, I think, because that's the one episode where we get some good stuff from Mariel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm. was devastated when Shaky got her fucking throat cut. I love Mariel coming back mm. and like shooting that woman in the back of the head. That was fucking awesome. That was cool. Yeah. Um, I also liked, this is a real moment or, sh- you know, should have been a turning moment for Catherine not listening to Orlo um, and things getting out of control and then her having to, yeah, turn to violence, which is not something she wants to do. It should have been a huge learning curve. I'm not sure it was, but it felt like um, this was going to really start some some stuff at the tail end of the season. So at that point, I was really excited. Um, just before I give you my favorite episode, something mm-hmm. you just reminded me of for some reason amongst all that was something else you said in our episode one review, which was how much you kind of actually started to feel for our little group of would-be throne takeovers, the coup that would be, mm. as friends. Yes. Like, you just enjoyed spending time with them and their little secret meetings trying to make this stuff happen. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, I understand the dynamics are different now because they're leading the country, but it's weird how much that just does not exist in this season yeah, at all, not I didn't at all. feel like. Yeah. Um, and maybe the show didn't realise, or the creators didn't realise, just how much people did attach themselves or did care about that little yeah, group of I, revolutionaries. I think that friend, that group, that circle of friends was really important because the world outside uh, with you know the other aristocrats and just politically was so scary and horrifying and brutal. And then, so then we would have these moments of friendship. They were like, oh, you know, you'd breathe a sigh of relief. Um, But now that, you know, that Peter is her connection and we want to develop that, I guess there's not a lot of room for her to have a support base because then like, why would she ever go towards Peter? Good point. My favourite episode was episode three, Alone at Last which is the episode where Catherine is sort of having these wild like mood swings and is isolating herself from her um, her allies. Mm. And Peter has been <laughs> forced to stay by, imprisoned by himself in his room and then eventually with the body of his dead mother. Oh, my God. It's fucked. And like just leave Nicholas Holt in a room with a character and let magic happen is the lesson mm. I took from that episode. Yeah. Like it was fantastic. And I thought the work they did with like – it was excellent character work on those two. And like, I was like, oh, I'm really here for this. And then I can't, then it feels like they got so into that 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 was the rest of the season. I was like, we can move on, guys. We can don't have to, <laughs> I just have to always be about just those two all the time. It's my mm. other stuff. Um, but I, I was really, really into the show at that point. And it felt like a real turning point for the, like, okay, this is what season two, let's let's move with momentum forward into the season. It never quite got there from there. But that was, I loved episode three, Alone at Last. Uh, predictions, hopes, or concerns for a season three. If we're getting one, no guarantees there. Um, mm. I do wonder how expensive this show is to make. It feels like it's mostly done in one location. So maybe it's actually kind of cheap to make. I don't yeah. know. Hmm. Um, I'm hoping that... Um the stagnation or possible missteps in this season are, aren't actually missteps and are actually leading us somewhere cool in season three. That's my hope. Um, I am concerned that the magic is dwindling a little bit, Yeah, uh, that they don't necessarily know where they want the story to go or why perhaps the audience loved the show so much um it's you know it's beyond 
the quips or the sex or the violence. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. there was something more there to hold on to. Um, so yeah, that's my concern. But yeah, it's about all I got. I think. Uh, really, uh, just an example I thought of as well. Something I I I often appreciate about the show is like Peter is such a poet when it comes to describing like food or sex or anything like that. Mm. But it when it happens. 20 times an episode every episode, it just starts to lose its appeal eventually. It's mm-hmm. a great character trait. It's beautifully written. Nicholas Holt will perform it with a plum every single time. But eventually it just you gotta find something else. Um I I I'm looking I hope they get to season three. I really do. I will watch a season three with enthusiasm. Mm. I hope that's it, though, because sometimes when a show does this, it feels lost. The best thing that can happen is no one ending is coming because then you have a goal. Then you have something you need to get to and achieve. Mm -hmm. And I reckon if this knew it had one season left and it had to find a satisfying ending, it would probably find a really compelling way of doing it. It would probably end up with Catherine murdering everybody inside the Winter Palace (laughs) except herself. But you know what? That would be an ending. (laughs) (laughs) That would be quite a good ending, I think. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me... On Twitter at Maskimu, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, whenever that will be, a week, two weeks, sometime in the not-too-distant future, we'll be back uh, with an end-of-year off-topic, hot-topic episode. Uh, In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Absolutely. 